0: please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at pop culture from a Jewish perspective and look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Michael Knopf.
1: And I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And today we are taking a break from really focusing on the shows and movies that we watch uh, to focus on what's been consuming certainly much of our time and attention, uh, where our hearts are, uh, where our souls have gravitated to, uh, and that is uh, what is going on with Israel uh, and in response to what's going on with Gaza in this moment. Um, Mike and I were celebrating the end of the holiday season, the Hagim with our communities uh, on October 7th when... Uh, Hamas infiltrated Israel uh, and attacked um, innocent civilians there uh, on Kibbutzim and and in cities uh, on the Gaza border Uh, to this date. uh, The numbers are that 1,400 people had been murdered in that terrorist attack, uh, over 200 kidnapped. Uh, That includes uh, murders and kidnapping of babies, of uh, young parents of teenagers, of elderly men and women. Uh, it was the uh, Reim Music Festival uh, for Unity uh, and Love, where it was the largest um, um, mass slaughter, uh, a music festival for peace. And um, it was the largest slaughter of Jews in a single day since since the Holocaust. Uh, since then, uh, there had been in many parts of the world an outpouring of love and support since, um, uh, following that terror attack. Uh, and then, uh, Israel responded, um, as Israel has done as Netanyahu has done for, uh, many, many years in Gaza with airstrikes. And Um, I, and I would, I would just
0: add to that, um, likely as many other countries would respond given the circumstances.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, um, immediately the the conversation of those uh voices who share their love and support for Israel um changed out of concern to Palestinian civilians um and calls for a ceasefire uh we thought that this morning we just talk about what we are feeling and, and our thoughts on on this moment um how our communities are are, are dealing with this um and um if there is a pop culture lens, potentially uh, what that lens is in this moment?
0: Well, well, listen, you know, sometimes the pop culture is the news and sometimes the news is the pop culture, right? And this is really, I think, dominating uh, so much of the pop cultural moment uh, right now uh, and, and the conversation. Uh, it, it's really hard to think about uh, or, or look at anything else. At least that's the way it feels Uh, To me, and I I don't want to speak for you, Jesse, but probably feels to you, those of us within the Jewish community. um, uh, It certainly feels that way. Um, I imagine if you are in the Muslim community or the uh, Palestinian uh, diaspora uh, um, uh, or the larger Arab world, uh, it is uh, also uh, uh, impossible not to be thinking about this at the moment. Um, but my my sense is in just you know my uh, even though I, I don't have uh, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't spend a lot of time outside the Jewish world. Um, my, my sense is that that's also dominating uh, the, the thinking and the conversation outside the Jewish world too. you know, a lot of people, uh, and I think in some ways very aptly, uh, compared, uh, the attacks of October 7th, uh, to the attacks, uh, uh, on America on September 11th, 2001. Um, and the comparison is, is apt and, and not apt, uh, in, in some ways it's not apt in the sense that, uh, the, the magnitude of the harm inflicted against, um, Israel and Israeli civilians, uh, dwarfs uh, the magnitude of the harm inflicted, uh, uh, at least by sheer uh, percentage of the population uh, in, uh, in in America on on 9/11, um, you know some some three or four thousand Americans died uh, on 9/11, uh, and while the total number of Israelis uh, Israeli civilians, at least that were killed um, on uh, October seventh, 2023, uh, is smaller. Uh, uh proportionally in the population um, much larger significantly significantly larger um and so the 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 impact I think on the on the collective psyche um of of israelis is is comparable but I think uh but but really you know comparable in terms of uh uh um uh impact but uh but but much deeper and, and broader in in a really specific way
1: yeah i I'd also say um because of the way israel works and the relationship that israelis have with each other unlike this country um it seems that everybody in israel knew
0: somebody that was murdered right Uh, right right. and
1: everybody in the jewish community
0: um yeah that's right i mean i remember uh you know because i was uh, in new york on on 9-11 um it was my first uh first semester my second week maybe of, of college uh first time away from home uh powerful uh and, and an unforgettable time uh to be uh, to be away from home and to be in New York um, but I remember thinking about that you know in in the you know hours after the attack that you know everyone in New York City is going to know somebody who was killed today uh and uh and it, that may or may not have been true at that moment uh, but it, it is almost certainly true when it comes to Israel, uh, and that's a whole country, not just one city.
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, and then, what does it mean as a as a Jew, right? As a Jew living in South Orange, as a Jew living in Richmond, what, what does it mean as a Jew uh, when you heard this news, uh, when you saw the graphic images and details? Mm-hmm uh, of this, uh, horrific attack.
0: Yeah. So, uh, that was the first thing I wanted to ask you, Jesse is, you know, kind of where were you when you heard about this and and how did you, uh, hear about it? I, uh, I kind of caught a glimpse of the news uh, on Saturday morning before uh, before I went to shul for uh, Shemini Yatzeret. It was Shemini Yatzeret uh, here in, in the diaspora. Uh, and uh, in Israel, uh, Simchat Torah is observed on, on Shemini Yatzeret. Uh, I mean, it's also observed on Shemini Yatzeret here, but uh, uh, in most of the conservative movement and in the Orthodox world in the diaspora, it's observed on the second day of Shemini Yatzeret. Um, so the first day of Shemini Yatzeret, that Saturday, um, I, I got a glimpse of the news uh but I I was uh as yet uh, un, uh unaware of the magnitude of what had transpired uh until uh at least later that day after synagogue was over maybe maybe later so uh you know my my initial response my initial feeling was 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 heartbreak uh and uh and and pain but it felt in some ways uh, kind of uh, like a like like a routine heartbreak because I've been alive for long enough now uh to have endured uh you know waves of of uh, terrible terrorist attacks uh, in Israel uh to have uh, uh witnessed uh cycles of uh violence and, and bloodshed uh the death of innocents on both sides of this conflict um you know for the 40 years that I've been alive um so the the heartbreak at the in that initial moment, was uh was was almost kind of uh uh routine um and uh um uh, it, and it wasn't really until later that day uh that first i, I realized the 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 magnitude of, of what had transpired um the 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 depth and the breadth of the you know catastrophe really that that befell uh israel and uh and and the resonance of of what that meant uh at for the jewish people uh, to see the swiftness of the uh israeli response um the immediacy of essentially the declaration of war against uh hamas um uh the um and the um uh the the severity of the uh you know of the of of the of the violence that was un- unleashed um, uh, against Gaza, whether, you know, whether justified or, or not, depending on p- people's perspective on that. Um, it's, I think hard to ignore, um, that, that, you know, even immediately, um, it was, uh, it, you know, an, an uh, a, a severe response, uh, a violent response. Um, uh, that, that is not a, a, a judgmental statement. I think that this is just a statement of fact. I think something like, you know, 6,000, uh, bombs were 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 launched against uh 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 Hamas targets in Gaza the, uh, in the air strike, day, right right uh, in the day following the 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 attack um and so you know uh what the columnist Michelle Goldberg uh called which I thought was a, a you know really uh powerful but disturbing uh image to 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 refer to this conflict, but said you know the, the Israeli-palestinian conflict is a hall of mirrors on a good day. Um, And uh, so what I saw, you know, immediately was that Hall of Mirrors, especially in the, you know, televised social media era kind of uh, uh, expanding and magnifying. It became almost immediately impossible first to avoid uh, uh, looking at what was going on, uh, to avoid, you know, uh, uh, hot takes uh, and sometimes extreme hot takes because of the way social media tends to magnify extreme positions and uh, to elevate um, controversy. Um, uh, I uh, pretty quickly decided that, uh, that that social media was not going to be the prism through which I wanted to view uh, and and be exposed to what was going on in this in this conflict. So fortunately, or maybe unfortunately, depending on your perspective on it, uh, be, I, I've uh, avoided uh, uh, seeing some of the most disturbing images that I've heard about. Uh, when it comes to uh what has transpired uh in, in this conflict although i kind of am aware of their existence um uh and uh but but i'm i'm also you know not directly exposing myself to the 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 depth of uh pain uh and anger that's being expressed by jews and by israelis in in this moment the, the feeling uh, of you know of, of pain and anger and alienation isolation um but that's also being expressed uh by uh by uh Muslims by uh by Palestinians by uh member by you know folks in the uh Palestinian diaspora Palestinian Americans um so uh so I'm I'm feeling all of that and aware of all of it but I've uh deliberately decided to not be to not enable myself to be bombarded with it sure.
1: Um, <clears throat> I I heard about um this horrific attack uh when I got to Shul on Saturday morning of Shmini Atzeret, um and as members of the community trickled in that morning, um the details kept evolving from a dozen dead to two dozen dead to a hundred uh, to what we know now is you know at least fourteen hundred um, uh, individuals murdered. Uh, And uh, I think there was a a shared trauma uh, that was felt that day and continues to be felt. I'm trying to process where that trauma comes from. I think that there is an intergenerational trauma that Jews have um, that we have never um, felt uh, safe in a place to call our home. The minute we do, uh, it seems that we are no longer welcome in that space and in that home. I would say that America is the closest to Jews being prosperous and safe. Um, and I say that with a huge spike in anti-Semitism in this country over the, the past few years. Um, it's certainly a quick rise, uh, a real spike uh, since um, this happened three plus weeks ago. And I. Um, With that, regardless of one's views on on Israel, on Israeli policies, on the Israeli government, the belief is or was that, well, we never have to worry about that again. We never have to worry about not having a home because there is Israel, because there's a place to go to that is our safe haven. Um, And I say that knowing that we experienced, you know, multiple intifadas, um, you know, that uh, we, uh, lived in Israel, Mike, you and I lived in Israel, um, right before the, the, the second Intifada, uh, we lived in Israel, um, well, the, there was an operation going on in Gaza and my parents begged me, made me promise to not take public transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, in spite of all that, Israel was the place that's, that's where Jews felt safe, um. There was an image, um, rightly or wrongly so, of, of a, a militaristic strength um, to a fault at times based on, on, on how Israel may treat their neighbors. But uh, I think that image, it was pretty clear after this event, what was a falsehood. Um, and, um, you know, if we don't, if we can't be safe there, then is there any place in the world uh, where Jews can be safe. Um, For me also, uh, Mike, you you and I first met when we were teenagers. We spent the summer in Israel together. Uh, This was the the summer of 2000. And and I I have this vivid memory. Uh, This was uh, our USY Israel pilgrimage experience uh, of you and two other people on our talent show nights doing a skit, acting out uh, Yasser Arafat and Ahud Barak and Bill Clinton the, the Camp David talks because in the summer of 2000 um even after tumultuous 90s uh, following the the assassination of Rabin uh following Netanyahu's first tenure as prime minister um in the summer of 2000 there was a belief that Israelis and Palestinians were on the precipice of peace um and um, I've never felt anything close to that again. Uh, and in the generation that has followed since, that feeling is getting harder and harder to hold on to. Um, I say that as a piece, Nick. I, I but I think about who are these people who are living in these border kibbutzim. Um, I'm making a generalization here, um, but. A lot of them were were the 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 what is left of the left in Israel. Right, right. Uh right. Th- these were were progressive liberals who believed in coexistence and actually did the hard work of coexistence. Um that the 85-year-old Yocheda Lipschitz, who was just released, one of the four hostages to be released thus far, um, would drive to the um there was border crossing uh, weekly to pick up Palestinian children so that they can get dialysis in Israeli hospitals right. uh, and, and uh, believed in the humanity uh, in one another. And my fear is that um, as we mourn and grieve and as Israel is fighting Hamas has every right to do, this is a terrorist organization, um, that... Any prospect of peace is is gone, right? It sort of reminds me not to make a stupid pop culture reference, but um, there's that quote at the end of uh, Matrix Reloaded uh, when Morpheus says, "I've dreamed a dream, but now that dream is gone," um, and 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 I fear that that is. Um, that that is the reality that we're in you can't talk about peace now even people are talking about a ceasefire uh, because we don't want to see innocent lives lost how can you have a ceasefire when um you know Hamas is in control uh ceasefire to allow Hamas to reload and rebuild um and continue to funnel money in to stockpile uh you know rockets uh and uh weapons of terror again um
0: yeah, I mean there's there's a few threads there that that I want to um pull on or, or pick up. You know, the the first is, you know, to be a Jew in this moment. I, I think you're right. I think that, you know, Israel uh we we, we do have a um significant generational trauma um uh, of uh from Jewish persecution um and uh and and a lack of uh safety as as Jews. Um and uh you know, in um in the last, you know, half century or so, uh, uh a little bit more maybe 75 years since since the creation of the state of Israel, um you know, the the Jewish people at least in America and Israel uh, have felt uh that um you know that 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 question for the most part has been uh resolved. I mean, we still have that lingering uh anxiety and and lingering trauma uh which gets picked on and picked up at, you know, at particular moment. um uh, But, uh, but now we have, you know, a, a place uh, of, you know, of, of Jewish safety because it's a Jewish state with a, with a, you know, standing army. And we have a place of Jewish safety because uh, of the sort of infrastructure and institutions of pluralistic democracy um, that, you know, have never been fully realized in America, but have enabled in a lot of ways, the Jewish community in America to flourish uh, uh, and thrive safely more than any other diaspora Jewish community uh, in in Jewish history. Uh, And, you know, and, uh, and lately in America, that rug has uh, felt like it, you know, that ground has felt like it's shifted beneath our feet. It's felt increasingly precarious uh, to be Jewish in America um, in part because of the erosion of of, uh, democracy in, in, in America. Um, and, uh, uh, and then this uh, attack, um, you know, I think because of, because of the nature, I mean, first of all, terrorism always aims to do that, right. To make an entire population feel that no one is safe ever. Um, no, no civilian is safe ever. Um, uh, and, you know, but the nature of this attack, I think like you're saying, because of. Who was targeted and who was uh, victimized? It it was even more traumatic than previous attacks uh, against Israeli civilians. Um, you know, it, 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 this is this is different. Um, or at least it, it feels like a lot. I mean, it's not different in terms of the humanity of the of the people. It's not ter- different in terms of justification and right. But but it, but if there's something about it that that feels different um, uh, between you know a, uh, a a settlement community in the West Bank uh, that that is you know that's a, that's attacked or even um, you know a, a cafe in Jerusalem uh, that is attacked and that was very present in the moment after those camp david accords that you're talking about in the second intifada um you know where where uh, jerusalem was you know repeatedly engulfed by uh, by by violent palestinian uprising and, and also violent israeli response um uh you know like jerusalem is is hotly contested right is you know, uh, and and there are palestinians who um i think uh, and and people around the world who make a claim and i think that there is some amount of rationale behind this claim, um, that all of Jerusalem or most of, most of what is now the unified city of Jew- Jewish Jerusalem, um, is, you know, is, is in some way occupied territory. Uh, and so to say, okay, you know, like it, it's horrific when a cafe on Emek Rafaim in Jerusalem is, is blown up and there are civilians killed, but we, but, but, but we can kind of like the, the, the context of it, uh, um, makes it, um, uh uh we can wrap our heads around it in a different way right but this is you know this is an attack against what every virtually everybody except for Hamas right um believes is you know uh, sovereign israeli territory this is de- this is liberal democratic israel these are in many ways right uh jewish left peace activists you know people at a, at a rave for peace and love um you know, so like the, the, the trauma that, 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 you know, terrorism, no one is safe anywhere. Right. But, but especially an attack like this, right. Uh, picks up on that, that idea that, you know, that, that to be Jewish anywhere now in America and in Israel, um, is precarious and the, um, the, the, uh, and I want to actually ask you about this because you actually wrote a piece about this that I thought was really powerful. Um, both the, um, uh, the, 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 uh, presence of support for, um, uh, um, celebration of, uh, these attacks as an act of Palestinian liberation, um, uh, by people that we, uh, might have otherwise considered to be, um, allies and friends, um, uh, or the silence of people that we would have otherwise considered to be allies and friends, I think compounds that, uh, that, that, that fear, that trauma, that, that loneliness and isolation.
1: Yeah. Um, To your, to your first point though, about uh, that, that fear that this felt different. um, Hamas was not only successful in Uh, And I hate to even use that word successful as a terror group, but not only successful in um, brutally murdering so many innocent civilians, not only successful in turning Israeli society on its head, um, but it was successful in in, um, sparking or or igniting uh, this deep fear uh, among Jews throughout the world. Um you see it in some of the calls that are that, that are protests. There, there there are pro-Palestinian protests and then there are Palestinian um marches that are saying uh, the, the most evil things, and I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that the similar things are not being said at, at some uh, by some people at marches in support of Israel. Uh, but it, but this creates a has created a real fear. A leader of Hamas called for a global day of jihad, a global day of hate uh, several weeks ago. Uh, my community, I have to say, um, we beefed up security uh, in a way that was greater than we did after Tree of Life. Uh, right. Think about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. When when the uh, largest mass killing of Jews in this country's history, the most violent anti-Semitic attack in American history happened, we responded with security in one way. Um, and when this happened, we in America responded in a greater way because of the uh, immense fear and the unknown of of what is to come. Um and that fear is real. And you can't say it's rational or it's irrational. Um, most fears are irrational, but that doesn't mean that they are uh, any less legitimate that that is how we are feeling in this moment. Um yeah, I
0: think I listen, i, I would I would push back and say that that, you know, sometimes fear is rational, uh, or at least it's it, you know, it's uh um, it's legit, it, not legitimate. That's not the word I want to use. Um uh, it is based on, Uh, reality right so uh uh, jews are being threatened right now um both in israel and in america um in a way that the threat is actually real right whether it's a whether there's a likelihood right that i in richmond virginia and my family are are you know uh, you know more likely to be targeted and and hurt by a uh, an anti-Semitic attack than we are to you know be hit by a car or God forbid or you know or or victims of a mass shooting somewhere uh, which is you know a, a real threat in America too God forbid right uh, I I don't know if it's more likely than that it's probably not um, but that doesn't mean that it's not a a, a real threat and that we have a, a reason to be afraid um, what I, I also want to address you know something that you brought up before which I think is also real in in this moment or at least is um, is very present for a lot of folks which is that feeling of 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 despair of, of hopelessness um so i i have to admit that um i, I don't count myself in the category of people who uh, feel hopeless and and desperate in in this moment um i think actually hopelessness and desperation is what got us to this moment um i and and that's uh, that's i think true on on both sides of the conflict um you know so again this is uh, I, I uh, in no way am I saying this as an, as a, a, a means of justifying uh what uh, what what Hamas did. Um, uh, it was uh, brutal, horrific, uh, inhumane, um, a, a crime against humanity. Um, uh, but even crimes against humanity have broader contexts in which they from which they emerge, right It, it, it was not uh, sui generis. Um, and you know we have to acknowledge, uh, that uh Hamas uh, was born of the Israeli Palestinian conflict uh you know it, it, the Israeli Palestinian conflict preexisted the 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 uh emergence of Hamas um, which was an outgrowth of the uh Muslim Brotherhood that that started in Egypt so that preexisted uh the at least post 1948 iteration of the Israeli Palestinian conflict um but uh but, but Hamas is an outgrowth of the of the conflict um and these attacks emerge as an outgrowth of the conflict uh, two. uh and uh and and uh, in in many ways uh you know an act such as this um is is born of despair you know uh, extremism is fueled by uh by by despair sure. um,
1: and, and and listen there there's right hamas was founded in the 80s um and, and part of its charter was not only to wipe israel off the map but but was to um you know was to destroy the threat of Jews, what right? it says in, in, in its charter document. Um, the the challenge in having any conversation, uh, right? These were conversations with Arafat. These were conversations with Mahmoud Abbas. Uh, uh, the The challenge with any conversation when we're talking about peace is that peace is acknowledging uh, the other's right to exist. Right? I, I feel very comfortable, uh, In spite of what we have experienced over the past several weeks, to say that I believe the only viable future for peace is a future in which there is a Jewish Israel, uh, a state, and a Palestinian state um, as well. Um, Hamas has refused to acknowledge Israel's right to exist right? Hamas writes, and there's a difference, right? We can talk about the word occupation and yeah. very and very much so. West Bank is still uh, an occupied territory. Gaza, it's a much more challenging uh, topic to have that conversation with the pulling out of Gaza, even though there, uh, Israel still controls much of its utilities and what comes in and out. But there's a difference between talking about occupation post-1967 and talking about a 75-year occupation because when you're talking about a 75 right. year occupation then you're you're talking about uh Israel uh should not exist right, right? And, yeah. and that's and that's the challenge i also acknowledge right i also acknowledge that hamas came to power after israel left gaza and it originally came to power uh in a supposed democratic election, and then there was a civil war and Hamas took full control over Gaza, and that was 16 years ago. And there has not been an election since an entire generation in Gaza has grown up only knowing Hamas as their leadership. I also acknowledge that Netanyahu and its government um, were trying to prop up Hamas to an extent right. to to um, hurt Fatah and to hurt Abbas and to weaken them. Uh, Netanyahu was funneling money from Qatari banks uh, to Hamas to suggest that if we give you money under the table, you won't hurt us, won't harm us. All of that is going to need to be addressed and all of that will be addressed. And I think Israeli society will really hold Netanyahu accountable at the same time. Um, For those who are saying um, right for the and this is where it's hard for me. For those who are looking at the brutality, for those who are looking at beheading of babies, uh, rape of women, um, right, the, the the burn corpses of parents holding their children uh, in order to protect them, to try to keep them safe as they are being killed, and talking about resistance, um, right. it, it's as if we we've we've lost. The, the idea of humanity and going back to what you were saying before, Mike, right? So I wrote with rabbinic colleagues in, in, in this area, this, this letter, this op-ed, because we felt lonely. We, 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 felt alone um, that we, we didn't hear in this moment of grief, we didn't hear support from our clergy colleagues. Um, maybe it's because the idea of Israel is controversial. Maybe it's because we are a progressive community. And as we've seen, the sort of woke nature of Israel is that Israel is the occupier, or the right people throw out these words, Israel is colonialist, right? Uh I- I- Israel is an apartheid, right? That's what right, you're yeah, hearing. Yeah. And um instead of just saying, Hey, we see that you're hurting. And we're we're with you. And it shouldn't be a quid pro quo. We don't stand up for the things that we stand up for uh, because we want people to stand with us. Uh, We stand up for the things that we stand up for because we believe in it. Uh, I think it was just a further reminder when we talk about that fear that we talked about earlier uh, of a sense of loneliness um, that that, especially immediately in the moment that we felt um, because of this.
0: Well listen I think I think that the um oh, there's a few things I want to say the, the first is uh you know uh, my my uh sense of the uh, of of the history of the conflict uh, um uh, you know aligns with with yours and um uh, I you know I don't think uh that Hamas is a, a a liberation force for for Palestinians uh um you know they they are uh, they're, a they're, you know, a, a, a militant terrorist group, right? They're a brutal, inhumane terrorist organization, uh, totalitarian uh, uh, fascist ideologues uh, that have, um, uh, you know, that that make it impossible uh, for, you know, that you're right, they were elected in a supposedly democratic election in 2006. Um, and I've have, and have never had an election in Gaza since. Uh, and that tells you a lot about uh about Hamas um they're they're not looking uh to uh to, to liberate Palestine um uh, they're they're looking to eradicate Israel um and establish an Islamist state so uh uh you know essentially a, a you know a, a, an Iranian proxy uh in uh in in uh in, in uh, you know, the historic land of Israel, historic Palestine, however you want to call it. Right. Um, And um, and and I and I think that, you know, so that that I think that it's 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 uh, challenging. Oh, by the way, I I also want to say about that, you know, the fact that they were elected in the first place in Gaza um, was uh, in part a a a, uh, um, An outgrowth of our own 9/11 response in America, Uh, Bush and and uh, President, uh, uh, former President George W. Bush and Condoleezza Rice, uh, who was uh, Secretary of State at the time, you know, uh, sort of urged uh, the Palestinians in Gaza to hold an election, or the Israelis to enable Palestinians to hold an election in Gaza uh, after uh, the. uh, disengagement uh, of, uh, of 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 two thousand and five after the the removal of uh, of Israeli settlements there. um the, you know, Israeli intelligence uh begged the Americans apparently not to uh n- not to encourage that because Hamas was likely to be elected uh, because they were very popular at the time in in Gaza for a number of reasons. um again, I think in a lot, in a lot of ways in keeping with uh, a sense of Palestinian despair at, at, at the moment uh um, about the state of the conflict and the state of the Palestinian national aspirations um and the Amer- and and the American uh leadership you know in in their hubris that led to catastrophes in Afghanistan and in Iraq, particularly Iraq uh made you know the same miscalculation uh in in Gaza um and uh you know that that you know that enabled, uh, you know essentially another uh Iranian proxy to uh, uh to uh, to take hold uh in Gaza um and uh, and and you know make a uh effectively an Islamist totalitarian regime uh take hold in Gaza that's been you know uh hostile to Israel but at the same time right like you're saying you know i uh, uh, i think um uh, forces on the Israeli right, Netanyahu uh, in particular, but but others as well, um, have had quite the symbiotic relationship with Hamas uh, over the past uh, uh, couple of decades uh, and, uh, you know, in ways that I think have been very harmful to Israel um, and have been ha- harmful to the cause of, of uh, Palestinian national aspirations. Um, and, and I think, I hope you're right. I think that's why I have hope. I think you're right um, that Israelis are, are are beginning to recognize that. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, I think that that, uh, that 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 there will be a reckoning for Netanyahu and his right-wing coalition uh, uh, after this. Um, I, I don't think the cause of uh, peace uh, and a just peace between Israelis and Palestinians um, is forever dead because of of this conflict. I think it is uh, uh, much more complicated, obviously, um, much more fraught uh, because of the the, the current violence. Um, but but you know odlo abda tikvatenu right our, our, our hope is not yet lost and I think ultimately uh, there are uh, uh, sensible people in Israel in Palestine around the world who value uh, Jewish lives um, as fully human recognize the historic right of the Jewish people to national self determination and therefore national self defense. Uh, and also recognize the fullness of the humanity of Palestinian people uh, and their legitimate national aspirations as well, and recognize that um, that no side of this has yet been able to bomb their way out of this conflict. Uh, and there's no violent solution ultimately to this conflict, you know, despite what forces on the hard right in Israel and forces on the hard right in uh, uh among the palestinians like hamas uh want to believe that you know hamas believes it can you know annihilate uh uh the state of israel wipe it off the map right and wipe israelis off the map and so, there are so people I'll, I'll, there are hold on one second one second one second one second there are people on the israeli hard right who uh, i think believe that they can um you know uh, essentially push the palestinians into the sea uh, uh or at least you know subdue them into submission um, and I think I think both of those sides are, uh, are 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 kidding themselves. I think I think there are enough sensible people in Israel, in Palestine, around the world who realize now that both of those sides are deluding themselves. Uh, and uh, the only ultimate solution to this conflict um, is a political one, is a diplomatic one, uh, and 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 that will happen.
1: Yes, except right. Right, I I get it. Uh, Egypt attacked Israel, the Yom Kippur War, and by the end of the seventies, seventy seven onwards, Sadat stepped foot in Israel for a visit as president of Egypt, which led to uh, Israel's first peace treaty with a neighboring country. Um, so maybe that is possible, except as long as Hamas sole purpose is to destroy Israel. You don't have the, that that level headed. It doesn't matter how many uh, Palestinians there may be. Uh, I mean, I could say the same thing about Netanyahu, about kicking the can down the road, which is a hard conversation to have right now. And Israelis, even if they agree, don't want to have this conversation right now because they're still burying their loved ones. They're still praying for their loved ones to return. They're still praying for the safety of their loved ones who are on the front line, who are just called up at Milouim in Milouim and the reserves. Um, but the argument that the only way forward for peace is that you have to destroy Hamas, that you need a different partner. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks yeah. like.
0: So the, so the, the, challenge, the challenge of that is, um, you know, uh, history I think has been unkind. I'm not, I'm not among the people, by the way, who are calling for, you know, immediate ceasefire. I, I, I don't think that that is, um, a, uh, a, a, a realistic, uh, or, um, uh, or or helpful approach at, at this moment you know be, because Hamas clearly still has uh, um you know an infrastructure um uh in which they can mount violent uh attacks against uh, innocent israelis and uh and and every country uh including and especially israel um has a right to uh, protect its citizens no country uh you know if, if this were to happen to any country on earth however humane or just that country is and I happen to think Israel, uh, at its in its in its core, uh, has has values that make it a humane and just country, even if it sometimes acts in ways that you know with which I disagree. Um, I you know I I I uh, I they would they would pursue perpetrators of of a, of a of a heinous attack like that to the ends of the earth and rightly so. So I I don't begrudge uh, the Israelis for uh, wanting to take. Actions that will uh protect its citizens uh and uh and and hopefully redeem the, the captives. Um I, I certainly think uh that that uh that that uh doing what it can to uh weaken Hamas's capabilities um in at least in the short term, um is very important to do, very necessary to do and attainable. Um I, I don't yeah, I, think, I'm not I'm not uh, sure. Let me, I mean... just, let me let me just finish my thought. Like I I, I don't think that it is. Um, a, uh, a, a a likely scenario that they will eradicate Hamas. Um, I, I think that if that is a scenario that comes to pass, um, look what happened when we supposedly eradicated Al Qaeda uh, uh, in you know in in Iraq and uh, and and in Afghanistan. Um, it just morphed into ISIS. I think that whatever will come after Hamas um, theoretically could be much much worse and much much more dangerous. I think that what if I were, you know, I'm not a foreign policy expert, but like guided by my my values and my sense of what's in the best long-term interests of Israeli security, I would you know do what Yitzhak Rabin uh, often said is that we need to have you know the, the gun in one hand uh, and or the sword in one hand, I can't remember exactly what he said, and the olive branch in the other, right? and and simultaneously with our with with the Israeli military's efforts to protect its citizens and free the captives, Um, it needs to be doing everything that it possibly can to, one, uh, uh, safeguard innocent Palestinian life, because I think ultimately that will be in Israel's long-term security interests as well, in in addition to the fact that it's in accordance with its values, Um, and two, doing what it can to, uh, to, to prop up, support, and elevate those elements of Palestinian society. And I think it is a large segment of Palestinian society, maybe the vast majority of Palestinian society, that wants a just and peaceful resolution uh, to this conflict, and just wants, uh, you know, the the Palestinian people to leave to live to be able to live in in safety and and freedom, and doesn't want harm to befall innocent Israelis in order to make that happen.
1: Oh, gee, Mike, I I, I I sure hope so, um, and I pray for that to be the case. I know that right now um militaristically strategically uh this operation in Gaza has looked no different uh than anything Israel has done before in response to Hamas uh, which has just uh meant that Hamas is wounded um, but rebuilds uh restocks their rockets uh redigs their tunnels um and plans for the the next uh attack um i also know that but i think one of the reasons this feels different is because there's preparation for ground invasion israel hasn't had a real ground invasion there was one in the second lebanon war uh uh, but but a, a long ground invasion um really hasn't been since the 70s right israel transitioned much like the u.s did for better or worse um into air assaults in, in times of war uh beginning in the 80s and um we see that the damage that that does to civilians um but it also allows for limited casualties uh, among uh right. sol- soldiers and right in, in a country where everybody serves or let me rephrase that everybody should serve right. um but um right you you have parents who are mourning, you have people who are mourning one part of their family and another part of their family are being called up to the front right. lines. Right. Um, and and it's scary. And it's scary that there's no end in sight, and it's scary that uh we are praying for peace and we don't have an answer. Um, we're praying for peace and it feels like that that's, that that doesn't come. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot. Maybe this is just the 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 dove uh, within me, right? The peacenik within me. Been listening a lot to Davi Broz's Yeto Tov lately. Yeah. Um, been like playing it for my kids, and we've been huh? translating the words together. Uh, and there's that added verse at the end that that he added later about um, um, children learning to live together and uh meadows you know growing on, on uh, in cemeteries right. and living in peace and after all this we haven't given up hope uh david broza speaks beautifully about how this was the first song he ever wrote yonatan uh, geffen wrote the words uh and this is the first song in 77 that he wrote music to uh and they thought at the time right this was uh, uh right you know right. was coming to, to right. israel yeah. That, we that, you have that whole
0: verse in there about uh, you know, here comes the, the president of Egypt with, right? P- with peace it. in his
1: pipe, right? Yeah. And they thought, all right, this is going to be a hit song in Israel as this new peace movement, and we're going to play it for a couple of months, and then Israel will move on and we'll write another song. Um, and it's, it's been a call for hope, uh, for almost 50 years. Uh, and and I think that there that I think is really sitting with me that. Even then, they thought in 77, all right, that this dream is going to be fulfilled um, shortly, right? The same way that I felt uh, as a kid after Oslo. Uh, this dream is going to be fulfilled shortly. And um, yes, we could say, um, as, as Debbie Broza says, but, you know, we still haven't given up hope. Um, I yeah. just... I, I struggle that you know I, I shift back and forth from finding hope because without hope, what do we have? Um, and also feeling helpless and sad um, at the same time.
0: Well, I think listen, I think that uh, I've been thinking about uh, that song as well. We we incorporated it into um, a, a prayer service we held uh, in in the days following the attack, um, and uh, it, it was profoundly moving to me, and it, and it remains so. Uh, you, I, but I think that that's right. I mean, I think that hope is not easy to hold, uh, particularly in moments like this. I, I actually, you know, this is before obviously, uh, uh you know, these these recent events unfolded. I was talking about a totally different, uh, uh, intractable issue uh, on Yom Kippur. I talked about climate change, and um, and, and I and I talked about uh, the importance of being. Uh, what I call a climate hooptimist. So I, I just want to share a little bit of, of that in this context, right? You know, it's a, uh, in addition to Yietov, right, you can look back a little bit further in Jewish history, Rabbi Nachman of Bratzlaw famously teaches, Ein Shum Yeyushbo Lam Klal. there's no despair at all. And I think that that's one of the extraordinary aspects of Jewish thought, um, is its utter rejection of despair as an orientation toward the world. Um, the situation in Israel and Palestine is depressing and bleak, but not desperate. Um, justice and peace will one day come. The Jewish people will endure and the Palestinian people will know liberation and dignity. I know in my bones that both those things are true. Um, and, and here's, I think, the in, what I want to offer from what I said on, on Yom Kippur about what I called hopetimism. So uh, hopetimism, um is about being perennially discontented with present reality and stubbornly, defiantly refusing to seeing it as unchangeable and that's different from optimism. An optimist minimizes what is broken by choosing to look on the bright side or believing that things will inevitably get better. A hopetimist, on the other hand, recognizes the full extent of the brokenness and refuses to be reconciled with it. And while a hopetimist doesn't believe that a better future is inevitable, it is always possible, regardless of how improbable it might seem in the present. To be a hopetimist, to the optimist, what seems to be impossible now is just a thing that hasn't happened yet. The apparent limitations of our present reality can be overcome, and a new dawn can rise. So to be a, a optimist is to recognize that, yes, things are bad now, and yes, there's a lot of hard work to do, both as individuals and as a society, but it's also to insist that difficult is not the same as impossible, and we can bring about a radical new reality if we dream it audaciously and pursue it ambitiously.
1: It's beautiful Torah. Um, you said you share that on Yom Kippur. Uh, how, how do you feel uh, after Samcha Torah?
0: I, I still feel it. Uh, I, I think that there's, uh, you know, it's it's not inevitable, obviously, but but I think that there's there's no other way, and I refuse to be reconciled to the present state of affairs, right? So, uh, I, you know, I I I can't. I mean, I'm I don't live in Israel. I don't have to live with that particular reality. But I, but I have to believe that if I was living in Israel, I, I, uh, I, I couldn't live in a state. I couldn't not, a, not a physical, not a, a a nation state. I don't mean that. I mean like a, an emotional state where, where I was always just waiting around for the next terrorist attack to happen. And it feels like the, the cycle of the conflict um, uh, that, you know, that's been perpetuated to this, to this point um, has Made that reality all but inevitable. Uh, uh, so, uh, so th- there has to be another way, right? And uh, you know, I, 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 like, I, I just can't um, accept, right, that this is just the way things are always going to be. Um, uh, and so, because I can't accept that, I'm committed to working for a different future. And I think that by working for a different future, makes it more possible that it could come to pass will it actually happen i don't know but i but i can't not work to try to make it happen
1: well i appreciate your your optimism um Mike, my optimism my your, 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 your not hope, optimism your optimism and um may we all uh, strive to to uh, make that come to pass in the short term for me um i am praying for uh safety of all i'm praying for the safe return uh, of those being held hostage, the the return of captives is, uh, we're taught one of the most important, uh, votes, uh, that we have, uh, in our tradition, um, to be able to redeem those being held held hostage. Um, and so I pray for their safe return. Uh, and I pray for, um, the, the, safety of all of our brothers and sisters. I pray for the safety of, um, all innocent civilians in, in, in the area, um, and, um, that's what I'm feeling immediately. and then maybe we can we can um look to hope again. Um, I want to plug uh quickly uh, if we're allowed to on the jcast network, a podcast for another network uh, because I found a lot of comfort. um the Shalom Hartman Institute has a podcast for heaven's sake, uh with uh Danielle Hartman and Yossi Kleinlavy uh that talk about lots of stuff, right? Uh, they they debate lots of things. Um, and um, the past two weeks, they've been talking about Israel at war and they've been talking about how they're feeling and they're talking about proportionate versus disproportionate response. They're talking about moral revines. They're talking about absolute evil uh, versus uh, people who do evil things. Uh, and uh, it's been very helpful for me. Uh, to hear how uh these great leaders in Israel are thinking and feeling how Israelis are thinking and feeling in, in the moment so i want to encourage others uh to to if you're looking for that uh, to give that a listen as well uh in addition to listening to us
0: amen 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 Selava ed um uh we uh, uh you know happy for you to share with us uh, what you've been reading and listening to and watching that has been uh, helping you navigate this uh, difficult moment uh we'd love to continue the conversation with you um unfortunately it does not seem like uh this issue um is uh, is going away or resolving itself uh, anytime soon um so we continue to uh hold uh israel in our prayers um and and all innocence in, in harm's way uh in our prayers um
1: and until next you in, time holding you in my prayers jesse same same mike uh, until next time, until we, we talk again, I'm Rabbi Jesse Olitsky.
0: And I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf.
1: Take care, everyone.